Well, Merry Christmas, everyone. As we begin, you're all familiar with the, the song, Joy to the World. I'm going to read, which is really not a Christmas song. Um, we sing it for Christmas, but you can sing it anytime you want. I'm going to, as just sort of an opening, I'm going to read uh, some of the words from Psalm 98 on which this song is based. And then I'll open with prayer, and we'll go in and talk about the Magi. Listen to this. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with a harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Join me in prayer, please. God, as we come here to study the Bible, to see what you have written for us, help us to not be uh, complacent. We know about the Magi. Uh, but help us to see freshly parts of the message that you have for us. I ask for your Holy Spirit in each of our hearts that we will be pulled closer to you and that we will learn how to be better, stronger in our faith and how to be better Christians. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So, the Magi. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 which is where this uh, passage is written. While you're finding that, one of the themes here, the Magi, this passage is curious. We'll come into that. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, 
frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Okay, this is message number three out of four. And you get to do the other three as your homework later on. Okay, so here's, these are the stories right after Jesus was born, before he became, before he um, began his ministry. The shepherds, familiar with that story? That was on the day that Jesus was born. The shepherds were the day laborers of the time, right? May or may not have been homeless. They pretty much lived out in the fields. They were Jewish by tradition, certainly by culture. Chances are they never went to church because they're busy keeping an eye on the sheep. Bottom level of the social strata. Simeon and Anna in Luke chapter 2, which we don't read about very much, but it's part of your homework. These are um, when Jesus is brought to the temple to be circumcised and essentially to be blessed. Simeon and Anna are out in the courtyard, and they are traditional, God-fearing Jews, and Jesus is revealed to them. The Magi, which we'll talk unpack that, strange people. We'll come back to that. And the fourth one is Jesus at the temple when he's about 12 years old, where, uh, and this is also in Luke chapter 2, where he stays behind at the temple when mom and dad, after uh, feasts and sacrifices, the clan headed back, Jesus stayed behind. And here he was talking to the Jewish elite class, to the um, priests who were the Bible scholars. So we're going to talk about the Magi. Um, In your bulletin handout are the passages for the other three, and that gets to be your homework this week, to read these and see what God is saying about Jesus um, as a youth. So here's the Magi history. They came from the East. The Magi were very likely religious leaders from Persia uh, and were very senior religious leaders in that country um, and very likely had a lot of influence with the king or whoever was in charge. They looked at patterns in the sky and so they saw the star, which to them was an, a, a sign that there was a new king. And they took this very seriously. And the next slide shows where they came from. Um, the slide on my, your, this side. <laughs> the, the brown area is the Roman Empire of the time, okay, which pretty much surrounds the Mediterranean. And the other slide... Other map shows where Persia was. It's where Iraq and Iran are now, maybe a thousand miles or so to get to Jerusalem and Bethlehem. It's a hike. Um, at least today, most of that land is desert. And so the presumption is that they came from um, one of the capital cities there. The Magi are, were known to the people of Israel. And this is now going, remember Daniel, in the Old Testament, he was taken captive. He essentially was a magi to King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, in one instance um, from Daniel chapter 2, 
Um, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. His mind was troubled, so he summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he dreamed. Daniel was called, and Daniel interpreted the dream. So Daniel, who was a very strong uh, figure in Jewish Old Testament history, was a magi, a very senior religious and secular leader in the country of Persia. So, the Magi, at least from a reputation, were were known at least to the ruling class in Jerusalem. But let's think about this a little bit more. This was a big deal for the Magi. Um, We tend to presume that there are three magi, one for the gold, one for the frankincense, one for myrrh. The Bible doesn't say exactly how many there were. There were presumably at least three. This trip took a long time. They had to see the star, figure out what it meant. This essentially was a state visit. Persia is not part of the Roman Empire, And so the king of Persia is endorsing that three or so of his most senior leaders are going to make a state visit to Jerusalem or wherever the star was leading them because presumably a crown prince has been born. And this is not just three guys in blue jeans and a couple duffel bags. These, this is like, you know, the president of the United States going on a trip. It's an entourage. So you figure you got the three wise men. We'll go with three. They're certainly on camels because they're, they're, they're ma- their day job is at a desk, okay? They don't walk. They don't exercise. They probably don't ride camels. So they each have a couple of personal servants, a couple of people to handle the baggage, their tents, a couple of cooks, a bunch of extra camels to carry all their gear, and a bunch of people, presumably men, to lead the camels. There might be 20 to 40 people in this, in this group. It's certainly not three people. So this is a parade. Growing, and, of course, you need guards because they're tra- you know, they're, they're, these are rich guys. They're traveling across the desert. They need guards to protect them at night from someone who might hit them over the head and, you know, steal the money. So, they get to Jerusalem. Instant access to, well, approximately, instant access to King Herod. Well, certainly, access to King Herod. If you or I went to Jerusalem and said, hey, we want to talk to Benjamin Netanyahu, (laughs) they'd say, sure. But these guys, you figure, with an entourage of, of, uh, let's say, 30 or so, the, um, Herod and his and the leaders, are, they know they're coming for a couple of days because they might only be making 10 miles a day by the time they get up and they have their, their full breakfast and they travel for a while and they stop for coffee and they travel a while and they stop for, you know, for lunch. And so uh, this is slow moving. So Herod knows they're coming. He invites them. It's a state visit, right? The, and Herod certainly receive them as ambassadors from Persia because that's what they were. They, were. they represented the king. They weren't ordinary people like us. 
These were senior leaders representing the king and were bringing gifts for the new crown prince. They were looking for the king of the Jews. So they said, where is the one who has been born the king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. At which point, everyone in the audience says, oops, Herod didn't have a new baby. There must have been an awkward pause in here someplace. Uh, and so Herod calls the, the, the priests, the, the religious leaders, because he talks about the king of the Jews, you know, but Israel was part of the Roman Empire. You know, it's a little confusing in there. But he calls the, the religious leaders, and we get the message then, oh, he's, the, the king is, is, the prophecy is that the king is going to be born in Bethlehem. And now I'm just going to and, and talk about, and, and Bethlehem's maybe only 10 miles away, which for us is nothing, right? It's here to Pearland. But Jerusalem was maybe 20,000, 30,000 people. These are small towns. They're cities of the day, but they're small. Bethlehem's 10 miles away. According to researchers, it's, yeah, it's a village. 200, 300 people, farmers, shepherds. Uh, not much going on there. So the Magi say, in Bethlehem, and Herod passes that information on, I'm sort of thinking, though, yeah, he's thinking, well, Jesus might be a, a, some sort of threat, but Bethlehem? You know, bah, you know, it's a small town. They don't even have a football team, you know? Not, Herod's paranoid, as we see later on, but he really wasn't taking this too seriously. To, to the point where he didn't even send anyone along to say, here's where Bethlehem is. He just tells the Magi, when you find this kid, come back and tell me so that I can worship him. Um, of course, Herod's going to in, intends to kill him as he would any potential threat. That's sort of curious. The priests don't send anybody either because this is a religious prophecy. No one comes along. Curious. Because Bethlehem, a rural village of 200 people, and here's these wealthy senior statesmen from Persia Curious. So, when they heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them, and they stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. When they got to, got to Jesus, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. The word worship in this case is not what we're doing here. It is, there's no evidence that the Magi believed in Jesus as their Savior, as the shepherds were told, as Anna and Simeon clearly believed when they saw Jesus. In this sense, worship is in the sense that, um, from the dictionary, to give respect and honor due to a king. So it's like if, you know, we don't have that kind of ceremony, but presumably if someone gets to see the Queen of England, you, you, they show extreme respect for that person. 
And in that sense, they were worshiping. They're honoring him. And so these magi, these wealthy statesmen, come into this tiny village and this, without a doubt, tiny house, most likely, one room. And here's Mary and Jesus. And they... And what's really neat here is the magi don't say, oh, no, 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 time out. This is no crown prince. Crown, where's the palace, right? They bow down and worship him. Give him the royal presence. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It's extremely likely that no one in Bethlehem has ever seen these kinds of gifts before. And again, for us in today's world, when there's a royalty born, like say when Prince George was born in England in 2013, a third down, he received gifts over hundreds of thousands of dollars. Here's the crown prince. And the magi were here to give honor to the next king of the Jews. We saw the star. We're here to, to, to see the, the child of the king of the Jews. And they give these gifts to Jesus, which I just think is really cool. Another thing I don't understand, but it's really cool. Even though they weren't in Herod's palace, they acknowledge Jesus as a prince. For us, we see this as, oh, yeah, he is a prince. Just he had the wrong father in mind, uh, right? Because Jesus is clearly a spiritual prince, king, not a secular prince, Again, that sort of also points to the Magi. They're secular statesmen. Their their religion is not Jewish. So it's extremely likely when they came and worshipped Jesus, it was to show honor to him as a prince, a secular prince. And the Bible says nothing about the incongruity between uh, Jesus in this little podunk village and the Magi who are bringing wealth, the likes of which no one there has ever seen before. So they, and they gave gifts suitable for the crown prince. Wasn't diapers, wasn't a playpen, wasn't a couple of onesies. Yeah, maybe ten, the equivalent of 10 years worth of wages for any one of these people. That's a lot of money. Holy Spirit talks to them in a dream. And they go home in a different way. Okay. So what do we learn from this? There's really two pieces here. We're going to talk about the Magi as an example for us. And we're going to talk a little bit about Mary. The Magi saw God's message, understood enough of it, and obeyed. You know, they weren't Jewish. They're from the... the, Next country over, huge expense to travel. I'm guessing it took, could easily have taken two, three months of travel time to get there, two, three months to get back. Huge, and they they were really serious about this. And it was a state visit. The general intent was if this really were a prince, a a firstborn to King Herod, these are presents from the king of Persia. It helps establish good relationships and so on. But they are led by God. They didn't know it, and that's okay, right? A lot of times we're led by God, and we don't see it at the time. They go to Herod. 
Herod sort of dismisses it because it says, yeah, Bethlehem, not my kid. Send him off this way. The priests say, "Eh, Bethlehem, but they don't care enough to go along. They're on their own. But they still, they're not distracted. They're not discouraged. Okay, so that's something to remember here is that when... I'm taking some... The parallels aren't perfect, right? Because we're Christians and the Magi weren't. The Magi saw the signs from God and they followed it. They didn't give up when Herod and the priest said, Oh, Bethlehem, yeah, it's only 10 miles that way. But we don't even care enough to go walk along with you. They're not distracted. They get this dream while they're at Bethlehem, setting up camp outside of town. There's no evidence they stayed more than a day. And they went back by a different route. Of course, if you're making a trip of 1,000 miles and you're only, your starting point is either in Jerusalem or Bethlehem, 10 miles isn't very much of a difference. But anyway, they clearly evaded Herod on the way home. Again, they obeyed God. They did not. And, and I think the point here is, even though they weren't Christians, they obeyed God. They obeyed this dream rather than obeying Herod as a, I'll call it a, a, a dignitary kind of uh, courtesy, they go a different way and leave Herod on his own. So we can bring some points to us about the Magi that we, that we can take home. When we hear God's word, when we get guidance, when we get instruction, when we learn something from the Bible, or we see a situation where we say, you know, I really need to do this. Think of the Magi. You know, they spent piles of money and maybe a year. Do it. Don't be distracted. Do what you're led to do with confidence, as they were. My second point, then, is to look at Mary. They came into the house. They said, Mary and Jesus and they bowed down and worshipped. And you will recall, you know, Mary was visited by angels before she was pregnant, had the shepherds come to their manger scene the day after he was born, had Anna and Simeon, out of the blue, praise Jesus as their Savior, and now a year or so later... Here are these royalty from Persia. Mary welcomed them into their house. And he said, come on in. Here's Jesus. You know, if you think a little bit about Mary in all of this, she, she also listened, obeyed, and she welcomed. The Magi were, buzz- for, for, for Mary and Joseph, the Magi were bizarre. Two years earlier, when Jesus was born, the shepherds, they're coming in at night. They are smelly, underclass, and they come into the manger, and they worship Jesus, and Mary's sitting there. And she clearly welcomed them. Mary welcomed the Magi. And and where we see this, too, is that Mary clearly was the person 
who relayed these, um, the, this, these stories to Matthew and Luke because they're the ones that actually wrote them down to their Gospels. Mary was clearly alive when Jesus had his ministry. We don't know what happened to Joseph. And only Mary and Joseph were around at that time when Jesus was born. So Mary knows this stuff. And so think about Mary. Mary is a believer because she believed the angel that came and told her when she was a betrothed but unwed, most likely teenage girl. She believed and pondered, you know, maybe this is the old version, but when I was growing up, Mary pondered these things in her heart and that sense of saying, wow. And so you get these wise men coming up, giving them $10,000 worth of good stuff and guidance from, the, from God. They escape to Egypt and come back from messages, and Mary's listening and learning, but she has welcomed the shepherds. She welcomes the magi. She clearly welcomed and embraced Jesus. So as God, and, and so part of this is, is Mary is, a, is someone who's, what she did we can uh, emulate and say. She was welcoming to some pretty strange strangers. And she brought them in, the shepherds, Anna and Simeon, the wise men, and put it in her mind and pondered. She, she believed, she worshipped in the sense that we worship. And all this is not an accident. God used these situations, used Mary, used the angels, used the stars, used the magi to give invitations to people to come worship. The shepherds responded and they worshipped. Anna and Simeon worshipped God when they saw Jesus. The Magi gave, I'll call it secular honor and glory. They, didn't, they weren't believers, but they brought respect for the crown prince. None of this was an accident. It wasn't that the Magi made a mistake. God brought them here to, and to show, one thing to learn from this clearly is that they showed respect to Jesus as the prince, the, the king, as God here, even though they didn't. God clearly, I think, uses Mary as sort of the facilitator of all these because she's the one that remembers them, brings, and, and tells, allows us to read it. And so two things here. God uses situations to reach people, and we can be part of that reaching but part of it is, too, we're the ones being reached. You know, we're, we're, we're somewhere between the shepherds as day laborers and magi in the social spectrum, and they're, they're all welcome. We're all welcome in front of Jesus. Jesus clearly makes this point. Salvation is not for, just for the religious elite. It's for everybody who answers the call. It'll be interesting to see what heaven is like. If, um, to hear the story of the Magi from Jesus' perspective, we'll fill in the blanks. But, but again, when God's reaching us, 
or God's using us to reach someone else. We obey. And the sidebar here is don't get distracted. Herod did not encourage them. He said, yeah, it's in Bethlehem. Good luck. Let me know if you find anything. The priests didn't care. I mean, they they knew the prophecy, but they didn't care enough to go along either. And so from our perspective, when we see things to do as part of our faith, let us not let social influences distract us. Our faith needs to be the first thing in our life with our priorities. And no matter how many new car ads or how well, we watch the Golf Channel, how many Rolex ads we see, that's, don't be distracted. Of course, we all, you know, some of us wear a watch and some of us, many of us have cars, but we don't, they aren't our pride and joy, right? And, and there's social distractions. It might be, you know, athletics or some hobby that distracts us. Or I like to go boating, and Sunday morning is really a good time to go boating, right? I mean, the, these kinds of things, don't be distracted. And be thoughtful that when you watch TV and you see the ads, and, you, and you're, oh, that looks interesting, or I see a billboard, well, that looks interesting. How do we spend our time? How do we spend our money? Let's keep that in priority. Magi, they spent a lot of money to worship a secular prince who happens to be a spiritual prince for us. And from that standpoint, the, the, the example of Magi is a good one for us to see. When, when we're on track with God, that's our number one priority. So here's your homework. You get to read the other three um, uh, situations around Jesus' birth. And they're listed in the bottom of your bulletin. The shepherds, Simeon and Anna, and the teachers in the temple. And so here's, here's the homework for you. It's the same parallel kind of thing. Who are these people? And I talked a little bit, but you know, make, make, use the back, write it down. Who are these people? What's their relationship to Jewish faith or to Jesus? What's their place in society, which is sort of corresponds with their place in the, in the Jewish hierarchy? And what is their response? How do they respond to Jesus being revealed to them? And it's healthy for us to read these stories again as they're written in the Bible, not just how they happen to stick in your head from overall repetition. Think about this. Spend some time thinking about them. Do they respect? Do they worship? Do they not care? Because for us, it's helpful to learn and understand how people interacted with Jesus at the time, and especially um, as a youth. Let's pray. God, we come to you and thank you for the, the story of your birth. The, at, at this time of year, when we think about the shepherds, we think about Anna and Simeon in the temple, we think about the Magi. You brought, you brought 
people into Jesus' sphere of influence right next to him. The shepherds and Anna and Simeon responded with faith and with joy. The magi with obedience, probably not with faith. Herod, he just didn't care. God help us to listen and understand these things to the best of our ability and to obey so that we can understand your message to us better so that our faith is increased and the work that we do in service to you is enhanced. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.